0: Shakespeare's unpleasant young men are numerous. Bertram, as a vacuity, is authentically nauseous. Harold Bloom in Shakespeare, The Invention of the Human. As I reached the end of All's Well That Ends Well, I found myself asking, But does it all end well? Helena, by all accounts a wonderful woman, ends up married to the man of her dreams, who, as it turns out, is an all-around terrible person. She fought long and hard with many ingenious plots to win Bertram. The audience is left wondering, why, though? She is beautiful, intelligent, and kind. Bertram is a selfish, lying snob. Yay for Helena, I guess? It probably won't surprise you that I am not the only one who felt this way. Many, many scholars see Bertram the same way. Some try to make excuses for him, but none do so successfully, in my opinion. Bertram abandons his awesome wife and tries to sleep with another woman, Diana, lying about his intentions with her the whole time. Once he thinks Helena is dead, he returns to marry a third, totally different woman. When he's caught in one of his many lies, he tries to lie his way out and calls Diana a whore. He does nothing redeeming the entire play but still ends up happily married. Join Eli and I as we discuss whether it really does all end well. Uh, one trigger warning before we get started, there is a very brief discussion about rape. And with that, on with the show. Welcome to Breaking Bart, a rape good scholar podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, also known as Rip Good Scholar on a growing corner of the internet. I'm joined, as most times, with my husband, Eli. Hello. We're here to talk about another terrible Shakespearean man.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of them.
0: There is. No one can be worse than Proteus or Two Gentlemen of Verona.
1: I, I, that is a l- low bar to dig under.
0: Yes. Bertram from Allswell, that ends well, tries his hardest, though.
1: Yeah, he does, doesn't he? This is the first time I did research for one of these podcasts. Proud of you. My research only consisted of listening to the play.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I qualify that as research, but Okay. okay.
1: Just because you read extensively about the history and context and criticism and I show up and listen. I don't know where I was going with that. That's that's our process.
0: Our process? Yeah. My <laughs>
1: process is to show up and listen.
0: Anyway. What's kind of unique about Bertram, though, is that most of the other characters in the play also think he's terrible.
1: That's true. I noticed that. Like, his mom hated him. I don't know she hated him. I mean, she didn't hate him, but she was like, wow, you suck.
0: Well, he, like, and he, the- he messed up bad. Like, you know, and everybody was like, oh, that was really terrible what you did. And then at the end, not the very end, we'll get to the very, very end, but, like, everybody's like, oh, it's cool, will you marry my daughter? What? Why? We've established he's a terrible person. Yeah,
1: but... That's the thing. He seemed to think that, like, he would get away with it and no one would think he was terrible, which totally tracks with what I know of men.
0: Yeah, except that, like, I mean, just news of his terribleness got to Florence.
1: That's true. Like,
0: that's him. You have to be pretty terrible for your rumors of your terribleness to travel from France to Italy.
1: In the Middle Ages.
0: Yes. And basically what frustrated me with Bertram is that he had every opportunity to marry a wonderful woman who has the king's favor. But because she's of a lower class than him, he refuses. He's eventually, you know, he's forced to marry her by the king, but immediately abandons his new wife to find military glory. He returns home only when she (laughs) believes she's dead so he can marry someone at his class level.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Helena was great. She was hilarious. Like, from the start, she was on fire.
0: What frustrates me most is, in the end, he gets happily married?
1: Yeah. He is a jerk, abandons his fiancée, sleeps around Italy, uh, is extremely aggressive towards Diana. And then gets to marry one of the coolest women ever written up until that point?
0: Yeah. So that was kind of the broad summary, but now what I want to do is kind of get into the major plot points so we can all walk away with a full understanding of just how terrible Bertram is.
1: Alright, so we got broad strokes, let's get the tiny strokes.
0: Yes. Um, so we open up with Bertram going to court to serve the dying king because his father passed away. Everybody's sad about this, but none more than Helena. She is just heartbroken that he's leaving. Bertram's mother, the Countess, notices this and asks her what's going on. Helena eventually reveals to the Countess, who's kind of taken her under her wing after Helena's father passed away, that she loves Bertram.
1: Yeah, the Countess kind of knew it, though. She was really pushing at that. She, yeah. she was pulling at that thread. She was like, so you love my son, huh? And Helena was like, well, what, what?
0: What? No. And Helena is aware that she is not of the status required to marry Bertram. As Isaac Asimov put it in his book, this is the major complication of the play. Helena, the doctor's daughter, loves Bertram, the young Count of Roussillon, and therefore loves above her station. The doctor, however skilled, is of menial position, while Bertram is, of course, a nobleman. So, you know, there we have the initial conflict, and the Countess doesn't really seem to care because she loves Helena so much.
1: Yeah, she, I think she, when, when Bertram turns Helena down, she kind of says, well, screw you, Bertram.
0: Yes, we haven't gotten there yet. Okay. But she's like, oh, you'd be great, because you're just a great person that everybody loves because you're so great. And
1: like, does great jokes.
0: Okay, Eli, not everybody got married for jokes.
1: You did. That's, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have to live with that decision. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Helena, though, has a plan. Yes. She believes that she can heal the king because she's been studying her father's notes. And she believes she knows the cure. Um, I forget what he had. It's something like, that's not a big deal now, but at the time was bad news bears. So she tells the countess of her plan and her plan is basically to get the king's favor so that she can marry who she wants. And the countess is like, that sounds like a good plan. You go, girl. And then Helena goes to court and does just that.
1: Yeah, that's... uh. So, and I, I've been uh, talking a bit about how she's very funny. But I think this scene and the earlier scene where she's uh, engaged in witty repartee with the general kind of does a the best job of making the audience really love Helena because she can tell some dirty jokes and also really quest- poke uh, fun at people who are above her station but then when she meets the king you get this very heartfelt re- request that is extremely moving even as he's like just let me die in peace and she's like no I, I, I can save you though
0: yeah, I do like, though, that she goes kind of all in on her cure. Oh, yeah. Because the deal is that if she cures the king, she gets to marry whoever she wants. If she doesn't cure the king, she dies.
1: Yeah, I would not take that deal. Right? Yeah, I mean... But, I mean,
0: she proposed it
1: yeah and that's that's the thing doctors back in those days were they were bad they were bad at their jobs and it seems like a really bad idea to say well how about if I fail you kill me Cause especially
0: because I'm like not even kind of a doctor yeah and the standards are pretty low back then
1: yeah I, I would bet that just knowing what I know as a person in the 21st century I would be a better doctor than most doctors back then
0: true that's accurate
1: and there's that, 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 that French king who like the same deal was going on this guy had to lance his boil and it took him like months of practice and Helena's just like nah I'll do it, it'll be fine well, it was. Yeah.
0: But yeah, she like... She she <laughs> she, she had is, confidence.
1: She is brazen.
0: Yes. She's a cop. And she didn't dress like a man to play Doctor.
1: That's true. First for Shakespeare.
0: <laughs> she wasn't like, I'm going to dress like a man, and then after I cure him, be like, look, I was a woman the whole time. Ha <laughs> ha! I mean, that kind of would have made the deal weird, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she... <laughs> so they... The king is cured, yay, everybody's happy. So they line up all the eligible bachelors.
1: Alright, because the deal was, if she cures him, she gets to marry whomever she wants, the king's family aside.
0: Yeah, because even she knew that was a tad much. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But, so they line her up, and she goes to each one individually. And was like, "Would you have me?" And they're like, "Yes, of course. I would be happy to have you as my wife." You know, courtly answers, and she goes, mm, "No, not you." And keeps going, and and like, the people off to the side can't hear what's happening. So you have this nobleman off to the side being like, "Are they all saying no to her? Because like, I will kill them. Like, you know, like I will show them what's what." This is not how a gentleman behaves. Like so we set up already that to say no to this would be a bad idea.
1: Yeah, they really re- he re- they really emphasize basically how big a tool Bertram is.
0: <laughs> yes. And I think again Asimov put it best when he said She chooses Bertram who starts back in revulsion and horror at the thought of marrying a lowborn girl. So, I think that's just, frankly, the best way to put it. Like, he's like, ew, no. What? No, thank you. Doesn't even say thank you. He just says no, because he's a jerk.
1: Yeah. So, slight criticism of Helena here. If she had asked for lands and a title, then he probably would have married her.
0: Well, so that's (laughs) the thing, though. So, the king, while talking to Bertram... Mm Mm-hmm. Is, like, what's your hang-up here? Like, she doesn't have enough money titles? Like, I can fix that.
1: Ah, oh, that's true.
0: Like, he offers to fix that problem. And Bertram is still like, Mmm, no. Because I guess, you know, he doesn't want the nouveau riche. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, he's just the he's, worst. the he's so terrible.
0: Now, some... Some scholars have um, suggested that Bertram saw Helena as, like, a sister or a dependent on the family. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which...
1: I could get that from knowing the plot, but not from reading what Bertram says. It seems like someone trying to reason why Bertram's such a tool when some people are just tools.
0: Now, I personally don't think that interpretation makes much sense, like you said, based off of Bertram's own words. And Marjorie Garber and Shakespeare, after all, had a similar conclusion. The question of a quasi-incestuous relationship is never mentioned, either by him or by Helena, and such domestic arrangements of persons unrelated by blood but brought up together in near proximity were common rather than uncommon in early modern England. So it wouldn't have been that weird for you to, like, be raised alongside someone who you're not related to and, like, not develop weird Yeah. It wouldn't be that weird.
1: Yeah. So... It it, it seems, especially, you know, back then a lot of people were raised more communally than we think of now. Like, his household would have been hundreds of people, including servants, wards, family members, cousins, all living together.
0: mm -hmm. So in the end, the king just goes, well, you have no choice. You're getting married. Congrats. You I do like the
1: king. the king. The king is a great character.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, I do love the king. I do, I, yeah. He's quite enjoyable, and I like how he's just like, no, Bertram is the worst, and I'm gonna just make you do this, because that's what I promised, and I'm the king, and I need to keep my word. You jerk face. <laughs> So, but, you know, when we kind of look at every, like, if you just looked at the circumstance, like, not the people, remove the personalities from it. Yeah. You have a young nobleman forced to marry a girl that is not only lower class than him, but that he does not have any feelings for. Yes you would think that we'd have some sympathy for Bertram.
1: Oh, yeah, I, you, you really would, but then all of the things he says and does get in the way of that.
0: Exactly, and, um, Harold Bloom in his book says since her high handedness in obtaining him is so outrageous, we can wonder why we are not moved to some sympathy for him, despite the usurpation of his choice by Helena's alliance with the king, who simply threatens the young man into an arranged marriage. Humanely, Bertram has been wronged to an extreme. He is the prize set by Helena as her fairy tale reward for curing the king. This ought to be abominable. But since Bertram is abominable, we are not distressed, and I <laughs> just love that—like, we're not worried about
1: it. That's true. Like, if we again objectively look at the things Helena does, if it weren't to Bo- Bertram, she would be a villain.
0: Right, but but he's just but so. But she's terrible. so likable,
1: and he's so unlikable. And, and
0: what's fu- what's funny to me is in, with the uh, in this play, like, you really have. Shakespeare kind of beating the audience over the head. Like, no, he's terrible and she's great. Like, every turn it's like, you're great, you're wonderful, you're perfect. I love you, Helena. Bertram, mm.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it is she has, like, a a very compelling personality. Whereas he, on a personal level, is extremely cruel in many ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she prostrates herself. Self, even though, like, you know, you know me, I tend to not like uh, royalty in a in a general sense. She prostrates herself and does her best to cure the king, and he dishonors his king and breaks his word as a courtier, an account. Yeah. And, but also, you know, let's not skip ahead. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, so we'll, we'll keep moving forward, but I just, one thing I want to say with that is, like, again, because Helena is set up as this just, like, amazing woman, like, of course you'd want to marry her. Not only is she smart and funny and pretty and just all-around awesome, but now she has the king's favor.
1: Yeah, she has the king's favor. He's offering money and lands.
0: Yeah, like, snap that up, sir.
1: Yeah! like yeah, if 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 like no noble marriage is a bad advancement this will advance you
0: exactly like that was the whole thing i was thinking i was like you're just being dumb now he is. like you're just being stubborn and dumb like on every level this is a bad decision
1: yeah cuz it's not even as though he seems at, attached to the idea of an unarranged marriage he just doesn't want this one. Yeah. And it's... Well... It's baffling.
0: Yeah. And and as Bloom put it, the only authentic element in Bertram is his desire for military glory. So Bertram gets married, is grumpy about it, immediately, like, picks up and leaves for Italy. But he doesn't just, like, abandon... Helena at court oh no that would get word to the king way too fast mm-hmm. so he says Helena you go back to my house with my mom I have some things I need to take care of don't worry about it I'll be there soon um and, dis- well, and dispatches a messenger with a letter to his mom gives a letter to Helena and then F's off to, for, uh, to Italy and do
1: you, what's th- fu- do you, do you think there's, there's kind of a you know a, a system in Europe of where you're effing off to? Because it's like if you're English, you need to eff off somewhere. You go to France. If you're French, you eff <laughs> off to Italy. Hmm.
0: Probably got to keep
1: you know yeah, you, a system. Does it keep just going southeast?
0: <laughs> That's why the Crusades happened.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Man, I gotta get out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have to go, and there's nowhere left to go.
1: It's just ocean. Let's. How, how am I gonna attack the
0: ocean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop, stop. um. So, okay, quick, quick pod sidebar. Okay. Are the quotes weird, or no, like, do you I, feel like they're adding something? I think they're adding something. Okay, so. So, what's funny to me, though, the funniest thing to me is how badly Bertram misreads his mom's feeling on the situation. Because he's like, I'm going to write her a letter, I'm going to tell her all the horrible things that happened to me, and she's going to be so disgusted and not even want anything to do with Helena. And then the Countess gets his letter, and she's like, that little butthead.
1: <laughs> like, oh, Yeah. Like, but oh she's so good she just yeah. immediately flips and he when he's and he, you're right he, he writes crying to his mommy that ugh I've got it so hard and she's like you what
0: <laughs> I think uh, Asimov put it great the old countess is horrified she is all on Helena's side as is everyone else in the play and in the audience <laughs> <laughs> just like yes so then Bertram has his letter to Helena, where he's pretty much like, you're not my wife, you're never going to be my wife, I don't care what you say, as long as you're around, I'm never coming home. And he gives her two conditions by which he will consider her his wife. One, she has to get I think what was his father's ring off his finger mm-hmm. so if, if he gives her his ring and she wears it that's condition one condition two is that she is carrying his child
1: yeah and it's and it's, but it's kind of phrase, phrased like I won't marry you until you pry my father's ring off my finger and carry my child
0: well exactly because I mean he's leaving like yeah it, it's it's those conditions are given in the sense of this is never gonna happen yeah you know cause it's it's while possible rather difficult to you know carry his child without him knowing what happened yep so Helena is super distraught blames herself which I'm like Helena girlfriend stop it Right. So she is Hell like, okay, know. I'm going to the shrine, which actually was in Spain, which is funny when you think about how she ends up in Italy. Yeah. So either she was lying about that, although I'm pretty sure when she shows up to the one Italian lady's house... She's like, oh, a lot of the pilgrims to such and such stop here. And I'm like...
1: You know, we've established Shakespeare's bad at geography. <laughs> well, Spain's between France and Italy, right?
0: Right? That's how that goes. <laughs> oh. oh, Shakespeare.
1: But, uh... uh you I, know I, what I just I, thought it was funny. Wait, go.
0: Sorry. He should have owned a globe. Ah. Uh. It's the Globe theater yeah ah. <laughs> okay anyway what were you saying
1: yeah this is when the place uh, starts its recurrent theme of people telling Helena she can do better Right. everyone's just like Helena you can do better Bertram sucks and she's like no I love Bertram and then cuts over to Bertram and he's like hey everybody in the audience look at me suck and everyone in the audience is like Helena you can do better and then it cuts back to Helena who meets someone else Who's like, Helena, you can do better You know why? Because Helena can do better
0: I feel like At a certain point with Helena I have to wonder if it just became a matter of principle Maybe But what's funny to me too Is like I said like not only so like He gets to Italy, he flees to Italy Helena comes shortly after him mm-hmm. By that time Everyone in Italy already knows What he did like, everybody knows exactly what he did. <laughs> and...
1: He was probably telling everyone, thinking that they'd be on his side. Like, ha- what happened with his mom.
0: That's... That's very possible. I That,
1: that completely tracks. <laughs> you know, you won't believe what happened. This woman that the king liked and that everyone else loved because she's smart and funny... Uh, she got to choose to marry me, and it would bring me lots of riches in the king's favor, but she was poor.
0: She was a poor.
1: She was a poor. How could I do that?
0: And even if you give a poor money, there's still a poor.
1: I mean, yeah. That's why poor is it now.
0: But... It's just, and so here we get into classic Shakespearean shenanigans, where like we all just roll with it, because of course that's how the world works. So Helen, uh, so Helena runs into this woman who runs, um, like an inn. I forget what they're called, but anyway, she can stay there with, and it turns out that Bertram is trying super duper hard to get into bed with her daughter Diana. Which, even having known Bertram for about half a minute, they're both like, nah. Yeah. Be- I mean, and he's promising marriage and all this stuff, and... I mean, it's not just like she's like, no, I'm not gonna sleep with you, I have to protect my image. She's like, mm, No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: just not e- not even, n- no, not gonna do it.
1: Yeah, it's it's very much a... Uh, it, yeah, she doesn't present it as like, I have to protect my honor. She's like, mm, I'm not going to give up my honor for you.
0: Yeah. So then Helen is like, but wait. What if you did? And so basically what happens is diana starts talking to bertram like okay yeah like we can do this and bertram because he's a dumb dumb is like oh she obviously suddenly changed her tune because i'm so good at wooing and i will not be suspicious at all and- <laughs> a lot
1: of shakespeare plots happen because no one is suspicious at all
0: that's fair very accurate coincidence and lack of suspicion yep so diana says to bertram okay come to my room late at night. You can stay there for exactly one hour. No talking. Lights off. I'm going to take the ring off your hand and exchange it for another. And we'll doink. And I'll leave. And then you leave. And we just call it a day. Again, no talking. (laughs) So, what the plan is, is that when Bertram climbs into her room in the dark... We'll just we'll just boop Helena in there, and since there's no talking, he won't know.
1: Yeah, that's definitely the plan. Which is when we which brings us to a segment called Shakespeare is dated. <laughs> also, what, could, this, also this could,
0: Elizabethan writer is dated. I don't understand.
1: <laughs> right, uh, but uh, can we just just for one second the fact that he's willing to give his Father's ring to a rando he never intends to see again.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it clearly meant a lot to him. Right. I think he shows like a brief moment of like, oh, I'm not so sure, and she's like, well, then no sex for you. Mm. And he goes, well, sex though. Yeah, sex. <laughs> so that's what he does, and and it's just it's funny because really, like this plan had to go right. Or, like, not only was, like, Helena ruined, but, like, Diana was ruined, too. True. Which, like, really just, like, you have this moment where you're like, Helena, is this really all worth it?
1: Yeah, you gotta get that switcheroo right.
0: <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I think Bloom, uh, Harold Bloom put it a really interesting way. She is relentless in her drive to make all's well for herself by ensnaring the inedible Bertram. This quest must strike the audience as singularly unwholesome and Shakespeare gives every sign that he is well aware of our ambivalence not toward Helena but toward, but toward her unrepentant mission. The play protects Helena from our skepticism by presenting her monomania in heroic dimensions. So we kind of like you know it was interesting to me this idea that like you know it was it was like a heroic quest for Helena mm-hmm. when like when you think about it you're like just stop girlfriend yeah like at this point you're better off at another so
1: <laughs> monomania is a word I have not heard before is it uh the manic desire for Pokemon
0: yes good job yes I'm so good at this I'd assume it's a singular focus
1: uh, oh monomania yeah gotcha
0: Helena pretends, like, sends word that she died. So Bertram comes back home, immediately abandoning Diana. Shocker. Yeah, that's not Uh
1: surprising at all.
0: So he gets back, and I guess the king was headed to Bertram's house for some reason.
1: Because Shakespeare. Yeah,
0: like there was a reason. I just don't remember why. But anyway, was, everybody's was kind of like, "Well, okay, that was really stupid of Bertram, but I guess we're all gonna move on now." Hey, rando nobleman, do you want Bertram to marry your daughter? Oh, yes, I do. I'm like, really, you do? Do you? Do you though? Do you? <laughs> like, he like actively pursued it, and I was like, "Well, you couldn't get any better for your daughter." <laughs>
1: what if okay headcanon he hates his daughter
0: (laughs) i mean i'd buy it (laughs) (laughs) so bertram comes back and is like oh like i'll totally marry your daughter and everything's good sorry king i'm just such a crazy young man and king's like "Mm, whatever then he notices the ring on bertram's finger yes which was the ring that the king gave to helena what? So they're all like, Helena's dead, you have her ring, how did that happen? You murdered her, didn't you? And he's like, what? No, I got it from some, I, like, rando, or I found it on the street. Like, he came up with some ridiculous thing. Like, I found it! <laughs> Everyone's like, mm-hmm, sure, Bertram. So Bertram gets arrested, and then Diana shows up. And she's like, he promised to marry me. See, here's his ring. And they're like, well, how did you get that ring? And then Helena pops in and she's like, it was me the whole time.
1: They really... I don't understand why they brought Diana back.
0: Uh, because the king is like, oh, Diana, thanks for helping Helena. I'll give you a bunch of money for your dowry so you can get a good husband.
1: Oh, right. Because it's Shakespeare.
0: Well, I think also, like... Diana put her reputation on the line. I feel like she deserved a little something.
1: No, oh, yeah, that's no, that that that's fair. I, I I was just thinking like logistically. I don't know why Helena didn't just pop out and be like, "Ha, he has my ring, 'cause he did me." I think here's because they were to gonna prove. try to
0: make him look sketch, more sketch, because she was like, "Oh, like Diana was," Diana explained that he wooed her and he promised to marry her and see here's the ring and she slept with him and. He's such a jerk. And he's like, what? She's just a random tart that followed around the troops. She's a prostitute. Uh. And that's proven quickly wrong. Yeah. And then Helena shows up. So. You know, because (laughs) you gotta make things worse before you end up happily married to your husband. Right. I want everybody to know exactly how terrible you are.
1: Yeah, before she, uh, can really convince him to be happy to marry her, uh. She rapes him, ruins his reputation, and you know, has him called out as a liar and philanderer.
0: Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, you." And so she's like, "Look, I have your ring, and I'm pregnant. I don't know how she knows that that fast, especially back then, but okay." Yeah, it took. Us and a I'm bit pregnant, longer. and he's like, "Okay, well, you completed my challenges. Guess we'll be happily married from now on."
1: And then the rest of the cast looks askance.
0: It <laughs> he is. He's pretty much just like, okay, well, now I love you.
1: Yeah, I'm he really like,
0: is. He's, like, like, if I was Ellen, I'd be like, can we have this <laughs> Like No, right? Elinor, you slept with him. You ruined it for yourself. Wow. You could have been like, okay, Bertram just abandoned me, let's get this marriage annulled, and I'll marry one of those other nice guys.
1: Yeah, uh really should have done that. Yes. Like, this it's, is, this, it's so weird because we have such a great heroine who, uh, corners a man into a marriage he doesn't want, then rapes him, then ruins his reputation in order to force him to marry her.
0: And we still are on her side. We're still like, on we're her still, side. Like, he still doesn't deserve you, Eleanor. <laughs>
1: because he, He's that <laughs> terrible.
0: And so, what's what's fu- and and, and
1: <laughs> trip we should really put a content warning for this
0: play. So, and and unsurprisingly, we are not the only ones who feel this way. Harold Bloom said, "How can Helena be so massively wrong? You can salvage her bad judgment only by arguing that Bertram is immature and will change, but Shakespeare indicates otherwise. This spoiled cad will grow up." to be even more of a monster, despite his mother, his wife, and his king, almost indeed despite spite them. The stubborn Helena triumphs, but only at her own expense. And, yeah. And then Dr. Uh, Samuel Johnson, as quoted in Bloom's book, I cannot reconcile my heart to Bertram, a man noble without generosity and young without truth, who marries Helena as a coward and leaves her as a profligate. When she is dead by his unkindness, sneaks home to a second marriage, is accused by a woman who he has wronged, defends himself by falsehood, and is dismissed to happiness. And it's so true! (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) He gets worse and worse and worse the whole play, and then it's like, but he ends up married to an awesome lady. Yeah. So, in the end, Bertram lives happily ever after, (laughs) and Eleanor props doesn't.
1: Yeah...
0: (laughs) Anyway, so I think this is going to start a new segment of Who's the Worst Shakespeare Man? I don't think anybody can be Proteus, but Bertram.
1: Yeah, Bertram's uh, coming up close.
0: I don't really have much more to say. I think we've well established that Bertram is a terrible person, only gets worse throughout the play, and then ends up happy? Yeah. Yay! Happy
1: Yay.
0: endings! <laughs> so, does it all end well? I Does think, it? Depends on who you ask. I don't uh, think it all ends well for Helena. I mean, she I, got her way, but at I'll- what cost? <laughs> Thus ends another episode of Breaking Bard. Please join us next time when we discuss Shakespeare's son Hamnet, his tragic passing, and possible influence on Shakespeare's later writing. If you want to make sure you don't miss that or any future episodes, make sure to hit subscribe. If you like the podcast, please consider giving it a five-star review and sharing with your friends. For more Shakespeare fun in the meantime, check out my blog at ripegoodscholar.com or look me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at ripegoodscholar. You should also check out my new YouTube channel where I just launched my first series on A Midsummer Night's Dream. Just search Ripe on YouTube. See you next time, and remember, our court shall be a little academ, still and contemplative in living art.